Well, like, sometimes we just kind of catch up, right? Yep. So I might say, Matt, <laughs> how have you been lately? Oh, Aaron, it's been a while since we recorded an episode. Do we say, I feel like we say that a lot. Yeah, because it's consistently <laughs> true. Consistently a while? <laughs> I was recently, well, let, let's introduce, maybe we should introduce the other voice who uh, in the room and then we can talk about our, it's been a while. Okay, great yeah, idea. Because Libby said to me, it's been a while. I said, I'm going up to see Matt and Aaron right now. And she goes, they haven't done a podcast for a while. Oh, see, now this is, so she must be a faithful listener if she knows yeah. that. We can she's all, all caught We up. can only assume. She, she, I think she listens because she's been on a couple times. <laughs> I don't think you can assume she listens. I think she might just check the date of publication. <laughs> yeah, quickly but if you want to jump to conclusions, that's fine. <laughs> well, in the oh. room, this is, this is the first time ever. We have had... Um, We've had spouses, well, a spouse, and then a yeah. future spouse yep. on this podcast. We've never yes. had a blood relation Oh, interesting. on the podcast. I was thinking about that this morning. Okay, yeah. And this is the first time. So this is Aaron's father. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, I wish. Oh. No, Dad, if you're listening, I love you. Dad, I was just kidding. <laughs> this is, oh, I, th- I see. I thought you were saying that you wished uh, your dad was on the podcast. I was like. Oh, I wish that too. That I'm, would be great. We, we can work that out. Uh, no, special Father's Day edition. This is uh, my father, Dr. David Timms. Well, and I've never been interviewed by a blood relation either, so I feel as awkward as you do. Yeah, this uh, <laughs> I've been saving up. It's going to get strangely personal about midway through our conversation when <laughs> I start asking uh, start about my childhood up. experiences. <laughs> we'll get the real deal. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. No, thanks for uh, coming on. I'll call you David, but yeah. usually I would say thanks for coming on, Dad. Yeah, that's great. I'm really glad to be here, I think. <laughs> <laughs> tell people, uh, tell listeners, some listeners might know you because you've been at Grant Springs a few times, but we have listeners who have no association with Grant Springs. So tell people a little bit about what you do. Sure. I'm, well, I, I work 10 minutes from here at William Jessup University. I'm dean of our theology and leadership division there. And so I teach some leadership. I teach some theology. I do a little bit of both. Um, but really try and uh, create an environment for the faculty and the students to thrive. And uh, that's what I do day in, day out. And every now and then I sit down and do some writing. So um, well, that's it's, good. it's amazing. It's great. Yeah. I love it. That's wonderful. And um, just to be clear, you're, are you Libby's boss? <laughs> if Libby's listening to this, that might be a question. I, I'm going to plead the fifth. This is our test. This is our test to see if Libby listens. <laughs> Oh, well, thanks. Uh, you know, it's a, it's an easy ask for me as a son to get your dad on the podcast, but we still appreciate you appreciate you being willing to do it. So when you say when you say you do some writing, you do have you've published some things, right? A right. book or two? Yeah, okay. I, I think I've done 6 now. Oh. Oh, wow. Uh, and then I did blogging for 15 years, 6 in fact, it's been longer than that, probably about uh, 17 or 18 years. Right. So and write articles. I sent one off to a magazine a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, just right. just small stuff. Nothing, right. nothing to write home about. Right. Now, you've preached here several times. How yep. much preaching do you do in your life these days? Oh, I try and limit it to maybe uh, seven, eight, nine a year if I can. Okay. Because I've got a day job. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the idea of working every weekend as well is really not that attractive. I understand. Um, there's plenty on my mind already, but uh, yeah. maybe maybe yeah, seven to ten a, a year. 
Okay. Works for me pretty well. Nice. Yeah. So not too far off what I preach a year as a full-time <laughs> associate pastor. <laughs> now we'll see if Kevin's listening <laughs> yeah, to this right. episode. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. No, that's great. Well, to come back to what you said, that it's been a while, um, I thought I'd introduce David because I was recently talking to another faculty because he, he's been on a podcast that Jessup is doing now. Hmm. Um talking about a similar topic to what we'll talk about, but I was talking to uh, this person, Mark Moore, at Jessup, and he was we were kind of swapping podcast notes, you know, kind of like, oh, oh how's it going, okay. kind of that kind of thing. And Was uh, this an amicable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very friendly. It was not it was highly competitive. competitive. <laughs> it was not competitive. He didn't know about my Twitter account that subtweets and tries to draw people away from the Jessup Tank <laughs> audience, so it was fine. Okay. Um, but he he was saying, oh, yeah, you know, we've got like, you know, seven in the can or something like that. So even when we stop Whoa. recording at the end of the spring, we'll continue to release them over the summer. Oh, wow. He's like, so like, how often do you guys do it? And I just said, well, it's been, it's been a while. It's been a while. That could be your new podcast name. It's been, it's a, been while. a while. We're back. It's been a while. I like to think people enjoy this sudden surprise. You know, they kind of forget about Curious Church for yeah. a while, and then bam, and their feed hits out of nowhere. Back. It's kind yeah, of like a bucket of, of cold water, isn't it? <laughs> really wakes or up. Or a warm hug. Or, or a warm hug, uh, yeah, excuse me. <laughs> From behind, unexpectedly. <laughs> The most uncomfortable kind of warm hug. I feel like if Sam were here, he would be taking this to an even creepier place. Yeah, that's for sure true. So I just like to give a shout, shout out to Sam. Which, shout is out why, to Sam. which is why we fired him. <laughs> oh, wait, that's not, that's not what happened in the story. Uh, should we talk a little, should we do an I Like It segment? Before Let's we get do going? it. Okay. Yeah. Well, this is, I mean, uh, we, could, we could introduce the segment. It's very self-explanatory. It always has been. So listeners, you know that these are things that we like. Yep. That's why it's called I Like It. Yeah. Uh, shall we do guests first? I, I'd love to. Oh, if, put the pressure on no, me. No, you, you can go set last. Bar. You want to go middle? Set, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Let me set the bar really low. Um, I would have brought a pecan pie in if I could have. Oh, I yeah. could, oh, a what? Man, pecan pie. Oh, pecan pie. Yeah. yeah. But I brought with me my McDonald's cup. And I like that because every every morning I go to McDonald's. It's my reading place. I don't have breakfast there. Breakfast at home and then I just get a drink and sit and read. And um, So my McDonald's cup, which I brought in with me today, uh, kind of it's symbolic. It's It's more than just a drink. It's a symbol. I really like that you've taken this to the next level. <laughs> I want to. I want to. I want to dissect two things that you said. One is that you have taken. I like it to a show and tell level, <laughs> which is really wonderful. I did bring it with me. An audio right. yeah. medium. Maybe we need a show and tell segment. And the second thing, this is the most candid I've ever heard my father talk about his daily. He said every day he goes in because usually he hems and haws when people say, "Do you go there every day?" And he starts. Oh, I can only say these things because I'm pretty sure my wife's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sending the episode to her. But yeah, you, and how long do you go to read at McDonald's every day? <laughs> Is this really every day? Pretty much. Every like work day? Yeah, or? every work day. Okay. Yeah, yeah, unless I'm teaching or doing something early in the morning. Okay. But uh, I just read for 20 minutes, half an hour. And it's an amazing way to get uh, books read. Yeah. You know, you just dedicate that 
that that little bit of time before work and consider it part of your work and um, you know knock out a dozen books a year that way. It's a, it's a great way to read. What do you like about reading in a public place versus like at home? Uh, it's the stimulation. <clears throat> if I sit down with a book at home, my, my eyes get heavy, my mind gets cloudy ah. and it's a little bit of music. It's the people coming and going. I don't pay any attention to them. Right. But it's just, it's just the environment. It's more stimulating. It's, it's grab a drink, sit down and it's, let's refill that drink and refill it and refill <laughs> it. <laughs> So yeah, I think I think that's what it is. I just like it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I will actually say so. This is um, I have done this. I've also read at McDonald's. Uh, I have Fridays off usually, and so I've I've gone to McDonald's a couple of times. Wow. And read, yeah. and it is. I've had very positive experiences. <laughs> so okay, I can I, I give them a hard time, but I can attest to this. Have you ever read at a McDonald's? No, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I hear everybody's doing it. Did you yeah, ever expect yeah, to be on a podcast where you'd be in the minority for responding no to that question? <laughs> what's well, I'm curious about what's going to be coming up later in the show that I'm in the minority on. Yeah. But oh, no, I, I have taken to... Um, I do... Often I work from home. I don't come into the office a ton. But I have found that there's, there's actually... There's a coffee shop that I... Um, that is within biking distance. And I found yeah. that I'll grab my, I don't read there, but if I want to get some sort of busy work just off my plate, I have just far fewer distractions there. Then if I'm at home and I'm thinking, honestly, I don't think about doing fun things at home. I think, oh, I got to get that load of laundry in or yeah. whatever, or right. just tidy up the kitchen or whatever. But at that best coffee shop, I'll just grab a cappuccino yeah. and then I'm just like, that's all I can do while I'm there. So, but I bet I get my Diet Coke a lot cheaper than you get your that, cappuccino. That, see, there, that was my other thought, is that <laughs> this is a cheaper place to do your, your, your $1.59 or whatever, huh? So $1. Diet Coke is... one oh eight. One oh eight. precise. He knows. Because listen, I know, I know this because he's told me. He goes in with exact change, places it on the counter. He doesn't, if there's a line, he doesn't even stand in line. He just places the money on the counter and takes and his you cup. And have a cup? It's true. Are they within reach, the empty cups? Yes. Or do you bring And if not, I walk behind the stand. counter and help myself. Oh, do you really? <laughs> I wouldn't do that. This is amazing. So I've always wanted to be a regular at a place, and yeah. I'm working on it with my coffee shop. But oh, you're yeah. right, at 380 a pop, it adds up. So do they recognize you when you go in? Oh, yeah, yeah. And they'll, they'll, they'll just kind of point and say, just pop your money there and take a cup and help yourself. <laughs> See, that is the dream. I, I love that. I love yeah. it if you go into somewhere and they say, hey, the See? usual, you know. See, yeah. McDonald's is the new Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> this is oh, great. I goodness. love it. Okay. That was a great one. That was really good. Hard yeah. to top. That's actually a pretty high bar. I kind of want to try this now. Maybe I'll, that'll be my new thing. You want to go next, Aaron? Uh, sure. So mine is, you know, I'm always tempted by, um, yeah, I'm one of these like musicians who likes, you know, new gear. That's kind of fun. Right. Mm. So there are all kinds of, there's zillions of different like musical electronic toys out there. And I, and I, it's my birthday's coming up. So I kind of get in the zone about how oh, I should really get this thing that I've been waiting for <laughs> yeah. all year. Uh, but I'm not going to do that because I think we have to take the spirit of, I like it down to a more, I don't know, it's like an earthier sort of uh, level, right? Like I can spend $150 on a thing and say I like it. Well, of course, that's because this thing is cool and it costs $150. Or you but, could spend a, or you could spend a buck eight. Oh, <laughs> see, see? Now this is what I'm talking about. This is a man of the people. <laughs> people. So my new, so my, I, I thought about this. So my new I like it is 
uh, not expensive. It is live theater. Okay. Oh. So the general idea of live theater. So my son is in... Uh, well, yeah, the idea itself is free. That's a f- Well, that's true. <laughs> Ideas are, I guess the idea is free. So the tickets aren't you know, free, but they're uh, affordable. If you go to like a... Like a high school or a local okay. community theater kind of production, community theater. yeah. So yeah. my son is do he does kind of the youth version of the the community theater uh, in our city, and uh, he loves it. But also we get like they do you know other casts and stuff. So he wasn't in this one, but just the four of us, uh, our family went to see Newsies I've uh, never over the weekend, um, and it was great. The, the wow. quality was great. It was really really fun and. There's like a restaurant right across the street, so this also isn't free. But you know, you have some dinner, you go to see a show, and it was uh, it was great. So I like it. So I encourage all of you, within the sound of my voice, <laughs> to find some inexpensive local live theater. Yeah. And, uh, and have you been up to uh, Jessup's uh, live theater? I have seen. I saw uh, Beauty and the Beast. Yep. Okay. And that was amazing. Yeah. Really good. They do two a year. It's, it's pretty cool too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You might like that. Cool. So, live theater. That's a good one. I like yeah, it. I like that. Okay, I'm bringing from my I like it what I call a travel twofer. So, I was traveling a couple of weekends ago, and there were two things that I really liked in this experience. One was to lean away from the cheap and go to the expensive. I recently got a very nice new backpack, which was expensive. But this backpack... Is that it right there? It, yeah, actually, show and tell. Oh, another show and tell. Okay. <laughs> Here's my backpack. <laughs> Wow. It is by a company called Peak Design, and this was kind of a special gift for myself. Uh, but it opens from the side, as you, as uh, oh, Aaron and uh-huh. David can see, opens from the side, and there's like organizers within it. So what I found is it's excellent for travel, and it's actually designed as a camera bag, but then you can use it for anything because you can create kind of different pockets so you know how often when you're traveling, you've got all these little kind of bits and pieces. Like and you're you've digging got a book, for you've a got thing. some toiletries. Uh, this was just excellent because I could use the whole backpack without having to pull everything out to access something on the bottom. Um, so hats off to Peak Design for hmm. uh, Peak Design, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but my other, my other two for a year, I like it as... Oh, you're doing it too. Yeah, for, so they're okay. travel related. I yeah, see. yeah. So, okay. so one is this is this backpack, which just okay. made life easy. Okay. Uh, and the second is, um, I'm, you know, I'm not. This is an old thing now for us, but this whole ride sharing world of like Lyft and Uber, yeah, is really incredible. It, like when you travel, because uh, we looked at, I was kind of planning on going old school and renting a car, and then. Um, for a trip that Rachel and I took to San Antonio. And then Rachel said, well, what if we just took Lyft to these places? We're not going that many places. We weren't making a road trip of this. And then you start pricing it out, and it's less than the cost to rent a car to just take Lyft all these places. And that doesn't include gas or parking if you're at we were at a downtown hotel. It's just really amazing that we live in this world. It cracks me up because taxis have been around for a century. <laughs> But but this new idea, I love this new idea. No, because it's not just no 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 no. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay, taxis taxis requires um, unless you're going to call and request a taxi. Like hailing a cab requires a level of self confidence and uh, and spunk that I do not have. But the fact that I can just open up my app and say, hey, this is exactly where I'm going to be. 
like, can a car come pick me up? All behind a screen makes me feel much more confident. So, this is an interesting revelation for a millennial to have in 2019. It's not a revelation. Like, I know it's good, but I recently, I don't have any context for using this on a regular basis. Okay. So, when I'm, when I'm, yeah, in this case, it sounds when I'm like it's just emerged from a cave, doesn't it? <laughs> You guys heard of backpacks? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, the, and these things you can call the cars and they'll give you a ride somewhere. It's incredible. Wow. Okay. I didn't realize that our like it's had to be breaking news. As far as I just heard, Aaron brought up live theater, which is like goes back thousands of years. I'm just glad I'm not the one being ganged up on <laughs> yeah, here. Right. I mean, I'm the non-Tims, so. Oh, yeah. That's great. Your dad's warming up on the Diet Coke. He brought yeah. it with him. It's tea for Lent. <laughs> I'm miserable. Oh, it's tea? <laughs> it's usually Diet Coke. Oh, dear. Yeah. That's probably for the best. Um, well, we had Dr. David Timms on the podcast today. He, we could have talked about many things. Um, but one of the things that has maybe been a more recent thing that you spent time on is you wrote this book, that's called, uh, can you give us the title? Shape Your World, Transformational Leadership for Everyday Life. Yeah. Um, and so we wanted to talk about, we've talked on, on this podcast about leadership. In fact, in some sense, we're almost always talking about some kinds of leadership and the ways that different topics intersect with our lives. Um, so this felt kind of appropriate to talk about this particular topic. And so we're going to have conversation about uh, leadership, and particularly transformational leadership, by which I think you mean something quite specific. Right, um, definitely. Which we'll get to. So, But first, just tell me, like, why, or tell us, why leadership at all? Why did you care? What made you interested in the first place? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I'm really fascinated by leadership because um, even a poll that was done about 10 years ago, 70% of Americans feel like there's a crisis of leadership. And I don't think they're talking about, you know, the president and, or, or, or national politics. I think right across the board, there's failure of leadership in our homes. There's failure of leadership in our churches, um, in our businesses. You know, I'm thinking, good night. If 80 to 90% of new business startups fail in the first three years, marriages aren't surviving, churches are not thriving. And that's before we start talking about politics as well. It's like, yeah, we, we, we do have a problem with leadership. And it's not a problem uh, that, uh, because we, we, we lack conversation about it. A lot of people are talking about it, but I don't think we've defined it well. We've, do, we've not defined it in a way that people can get their hands around it and pursue it. And um, some of the best-selling books out there are on leadership, and everyone's trying to find you know, the magic source for leadership. Mm -hmm. And so I've, I've been fascinated like a lot of people, but mostly driven by the cultural need that yeah. I see. So when you're talking even about the term leadership, um, it, you're right. It's easy to think politics or uh, or maybe the business world. Right. Um, but we're talking about um, are we going to be talking about leadership sort of at, at the micro levels, like in a marriage or in a church or in relationships or in family? Yeah, because I, I I'm not sure that leadership is fundamentally different in all these places. Right. And because, you know, w w the three of us are very much in interested in uh, the kingdom of God and the church. And I think a lot of, a lot of pastors feed but don't lead. 
Um, and so at every level, um, the question is, does leadership change from level to level mm. or is it really, a, is there an understanding of leadership that you just carry right through? You might just exercise it in, in slightly different ways. Yeah, there's, there's plenty, there's plenty there, I think, to hold on to. So you, uh, so you come to this conversation, everyone's trying to find the magic sauce. Right. Have you found the magic sauce? I found the magic sauce. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be like our first question. All right. <laughs> Follow this yellow brick road and you'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) No, but really, so when, right, so you talk about there's many books on the topic. Right. People are trying to attack this in all different ways. People are saying to prioritize all different things. I was just reading a book this morning uh, that's about leadership, that's particularly about kind of uh, how to lead if you're not the number one person in an organization. Mm -hmm. And um, so they're, you know, chapter on chapter on chapter about building teams and doing all these things, the practical ins and outs, the ways that you are subordinate and yet leading, and then the, the spirit in which you do it. I just finished reading a section where it was talking about, you know, where to take on kind of the same spirit as Christ uh, and this idea of servant leadership. So there's all these models and right. views. So how did you come or have you come to something that's <laughs> different or... Yeah, what what's the kind of leadership that you're talking about? So the the catalyst for me was a couple of years ago, maybe maybe three or four years ago now. The president at the university changed our mission statement, um, so that uh, basically in partnership with the church, we exist to educate transformational leaders for the glory of God. That's our mission statement. I love that best mission statement I've worked under in my life. But then we ask the obvious question: So, what's a transformational leader? Mm-hmm. If we're educating transformational leaders, what do we mean by that? And uh, that, that's really where I started digging into leadership theory. My, my background is theology and biblical studies. But I started digging into leadership theory, fascinated by this phrase, and then realized, oh, this is actually a, a 40-year-old theory. This isn't new with him or with us. This is an old theory. And then I started exploring a, a gazillion other theories. Servant leadership is what I've been raised with, is what I was taught. It's what I have taught myself in classes. Mm. Um, I didn't realize that there were, there were options as a Christian. Huh. Uh, so for me, transformational leadership and putting it in every, everyday language has become very, very captivating and motivating. And I'm, I see the fruit of it all the time. Uh, so it's a shift away from what a lot of Christians would consider to be the leadership model, you know, for Jesus himself saying, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. Oh, therefore we should all be servant leaders. And, and I've just seen that burn people out. Hmm. Um, that hasn't been a helpful model really at all. So this has just sort of lit my fire. I, I love it. Okay. So, so maybe we can unpack this a little bit more. Um, but first, it might be helpful to just kind of get out what you mean when you say transformational leadership. Because <laughs> you don't just mean like leadership that transforms. Right. Right. You mean something more specific. Yeah. So we have a simple definition. Okay. It's our words building on a more academic theory that nobody wants to know about. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just his leadership. The goal of leadership is to produce change and build lives. And this is what transformational leadership is. It's producing change and building lives. And you do it in four ways. You do it through authenticity, inspiration, empathy, and innovation. And you can unpack each of those words. But it's, it's the goal of leadership and the four key pillars by which you achieve that, those two goals. 
and, and that is transformational leadership. And what that does is it produces transformation in lives, it produces transformation in organizations and businesses, it produces transformation in culture. So that's what we mean by transformational leadership. It's not just, oh, has somebody experienced some change and are they able to sort of sometimes manage change well in the marketplace? It's, it's not that, it's, it's much bigger than that. Yeah. I'd be curious, so... I mean, cards on the table. I'm familiar with this definition because I've had a conversation with you before about <laughs> yeah, these things yeah, and yeah. I've read your book. But Aaron, I'd be curious just like how that strikes you. So the definition that uh, David provided was producing change and building lives through authenticity, inspiration, empathy, and innovation. How does that kind of how does that strike you as a leadership definition? Um, I always felt like. There are people who are good leaders who are kind of born to lead. And it, it's never struck me, and maybe this conversation will um, pull me over to this side, but I've always felt like, can you learn how to be a good leader? Um, a lot of experience I feel like that I've had sort of in my life with leaders or being a leader is <clears throat> there's a lot of instinct. And like, so I'm curious how how we can can learn to be leaders and maybe even how like non-staff people or lay people can be learned to be leaders yeah. in certain situations. When when you say instinct, like what what are you, what what's that word capturing for you? Um I think it captures uh I mean maybe some of the concepts, right? So empathy, mm -hmm. innovation, mm -hmm. like uh, those those kind of things feel like if I were just to think about it quickly would be things you have or you don't have. So mm. I'm curious how we can learn these traits, right? And be yeah. better leaders. Yeah. Do, do you think that's possible? Uh, it's totally possible to learn these things and to grow in these things. And, you know, the great man theory of leadership, which has prevailed for a century and a half, has done has said exactly what you said. And that is that, you know, we're, we're born leaders, we're not made leaders. And so, and, and you know, the, the data shows that if you are six foot tall or taller, you are far more likely to be a CEO <laughs> right. of a company than yeah. if you're five foot seven. And far more likely if you're white, six foot two mm -hmm. um, male yeah. than uh, if you're a, a short, non-white female. Right. So those people do statistically end up in positions of leadership. There's no question about that. It doesn't mean that they are leaders. It just means that our culture pushes them forward. And so the idea of being born or made is, is constantly debated. But I'm, I'm certain that uh, if we sit back and wait for the ones who are born leaders to simply rise and to exercise what they think is innate to them, what they will exercise is their innate badness, not their innate goodness. Mm, yeah. And our fallen nature does not give me confidence in the innate ability of people to lead well. So at that point, I think you've got to start saying then we need to shape and form leadership. We learn leadership as we go. And uh, I've met a lot of people over my life who I didn't think were leaders. And then 10 years later, I'm staggered and amazed at how well they're leading because they've learned some stuff about leadership, hmm. some, some, some basic foundational stuff which they apply with consistency. Yeah. So maybe I'd be curious... Um about maybe if we can bring this down because it's very easy to talk uh, kind of corporate levels. Mm -hmm. But if you, you could give us just an example or two about how you would see this uh, playing out or this particular view of leadership playing out even in like the lives of a parent. 
Like, what does it look like to be a transformational leader as a parent? Uh, well, let, let's say you just take, adopt the, uh, the outcomes, which is to produce change and build lives. And you say, okay, my role as a parent is to produce change and build a life. That's very different than saying my job is to keep these kids clothed and fed until they're 18 and can leave home. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. Right? So right there is a mindset change. And some parents, or too many parents perhaps, what, what, if, what if a dad said my job with my kids is to produce change and build their lives rather than find happiness for myself in this environment. Hmm. Uh, so instead of uh, simply seeing the family as an extension of himself, uh, a father sees it, the family as a responsibility that he carries to produce change and build lives. I think we might have a lot fewer absent dads if that yeah. were the case. Say, say more about what you mean by build lives. This is a term that I always have a little bit of a hard time because yeah. it seems like the way we sometimes use that term, build life could mean like, oh, I'm creating a life in which I'm happy, right? So, and one of the things you just said was what if you weren't motivated by, I'm going to create a space in which I'm happy. Yeah, I'm so surrounding what, myself with things that make me happy. Right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm sort of yeah. like the, uh -huh. you know, the bowerbird who goes and gets all these shiny things <clears throat> and now I'm kind of surrounded myself by shininess and I've built a life. You know, I don't think that's what you're saying from listening to you. But so, what does build lives mean in this kind of um, definition? Yeah, it's building the lives of other people. Mm. So it's not building my life. So I'm not producing change so that I'm in a better place. I'm producing change so that everybody in my orbit is in a better place. And and that has so many layers to it, right? Emotional well-being, spiritual well-being, physical well-being. You just add the layers in. So mm. do the people around me have, are they, are they flourishing because of me or is my presence just having the opposite effect in their life? Yeah. And, and the leader, the transformational leader brings a flourishing dynamic to the people around them. That's what I mean by building lives at all these different levels. So if I was, if I was a business guy, for example, um, and I'm underpaying my, my staff, are they flourishing or am I rolling them over, turning them over all the time because I, I am not going to pay more than the minimum wage? Mm. Uh, well, you know what? A transformational leader would say, as, as a Chick-fil-A in Sacramento did, hey, we're going to pay $18 an hour to everybody as a starting salary because we think that provides a livable wage. Wow. Okay, so there's, there's a transformational leader who owns that particular franchise. Mm. Um, so, you know, this, this plays out at, at so many different levels. Mm. Mm. I, like, I like where we started at, at the parenting level too because I think that so easily scales up to all kinds of different situations, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm... You haven't quoted any Bible verses to us. <laughs> is this unusual? Which is no, no, it's not. It's not unusual. I'm not not saying he's usually the Bible guy, but right. So, like going back to talking about these different models, yeah. Right, servant leadership has about five verses that they're kind of armed and loaded with, and this is the reason is because we're like Jesus, and in fact, you know, uh, just as you said earlier, he came not to be served, but Matthew serve, twenty passage, right? yeah. So. Uh, you know, if I read this definition, producing change and building lives through authenticity, inspiration, empathy, and innovation, um, you know, I can imagine people thinking, uh, well, is this actually a Christian option? Yeah. Where are the proof texts Where's, yeah, yeah, to yeah. support yeah. this, right? Which, which I'm not sure is the right, I, well, I don't think that's the right way to go about it, but how do you think about this sort of intersecting with faith? 
Yeah, and in, I don't want to bash servant leadership too hard, sure, um, but I might bash it gently, <laughs> um, because there is a there is a proof text, and that's been part of the problem. Not that Jesus is even talking about leadership in that verse, right? right. Um, it's not as though, and by the way, this is how you lead. So we all then we pull out the towel and basin and say, well, you know, th we're supposed to treat each other in this way. Um, the, the servant leadership doesn't have an, a, a very clear goal or outcome. If I ask people, so what is the purpose of servant leadership? If I ask both of you, what's the purpose of servant leadership? I mean, what, what, what's the response to that? Produce change. <laughs> <laughs> right. Most yeah. people who would say, oh, I, I really love servant leadership. I think that's the Christian model. Don't really know what servant leadership is meant to produce. Hmm. And I was in Chile a year ago doing some teaching on leadership and ha happened to be talking about these things and uh, through an interpreter to a group of pastors. And one of them was a woman. And uh, as I was talking about servant leadership and its contrast to what I think is transformational leadership, she had tears that started to just drip down her cheek. And, uh, you know, I don't really know what's going on because I didn't speak uh, Spanish and she didn't speak English. And so we kind of all just paused for a moment, gathered ourselves, and then she got to speak and she said, um, I've always thought that my role in the church as a servant leader was just to do what everyone told me needed to be done. Mm -hmm. If I saw any need, it was my job to fill that need. And I'm so tired, I'm so exhausted, and I was just about ready to give up on this leadership thing, and you've given me a whole different way of thinking about it. Hmm. And that's been my criticism of servant leadership, even though I've taught classes on this. <clears throat> and and Robert Greenleaf's material in the 70s, I've, I've used his book, um, it just doesn't have a clear outcome for people. So back to your question about Bible base, right? Yeah. So does transformational leadership, is it consistent with kingdom thinking or is it not consistent with kingdom thinking? And, and I would su suggest that the whole idea of producing change and building lives is in fact the gospel, isn't it? Hmm. That the gospel is about changing a broken world into a whole place, changing everything around us to reflect the kingdom of God. It's, it's absolutely producing change in relationships, in expectations, in values, in, in everything, and building lives. If, if the flourishing life is the eternal life, and it's more than just some sort of um, policy that we have in our pocket that we've signed off on at some point in time, if it really is a life worth living, then then that outcome, producing change and building lives, is a gospel outcome for me. Hmm. It's like, okay, so if that's what leadership is ultimately about, and that's kingdom living, then how do we do it? And of course, authenticity, which, you know, I break up into different words, uh, including integrity, transparency, humility. I mean, I just say those words and, and you guys are both going, I can think of verses, <laughs> right? I don't have to even give verses. We're like, yeah, so... Who would say authenticity is inconsistent with 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 biblical teaching? Uh, inspiration, you know, casting vision. Uh, how do we do that in terms of clarification and compensation and celebration? There's nothing antithetical to biblical thinking or Christian thinking about that, and so on and so forth. Yeah. All the way through. If I wanted to, and I, I did a little bit of this in the book, but not not to any great extent. Um, if we wanted to, we could we could cherry pick from the life of Jesus. And, and prove that he was a, he was the ultimate transformational leader. Hmm. Um, but I don't even think I need to do that because I just use some of these words and and 
the three of us know, and I'm guessing a lot of our listeners, that, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that sounds very consistent with what I understand to be Christian faith and kingdom values. It's really interesting to me. One, one thing, um, you know, I'm kind of reflecting as you say this is there's, so Granite Springs is kind of part of this reform tradition, which has particular flavors. And there's a lot of what you're saying, which just feels like it has deep resonance in the sense that um, uh, our lives the, that God gives us are not sort of about just um, just kind of a moment of change that kind of punches your ticket to an afterlife right, <laughs> that you're right. looking forward to, but that there's things to be done here and that God wants to redeem all things and that we get to participate in this. It's just, there's, to me, listening to this, it sounds like there's really deep resonance. Oh, yeah. you Change and, and flourishing lives, I mean, that's... Redemption is, is sort of the umbrella term for all of that, isn't it? Mm. You know, I'm, I'm glad you used that word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you thinking, Aaron? Um, you know, David, actually, I do the question asking <laughs> in this podcast. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, I think I think that observation about us being re- a reformed people is really is really good. So we're called to kind of renew the earth, sort of like constantly, right? Again, mm. you know, not mm. not uh, punching your ticket kind of situation. So I think that to to do this, we have to be in, like leaders, like right. All of us have oh, to well lead said. some part of our lives, yeah, in order to make that in order to make that change happen, yeah. So, so this goes back, I think that's helpful if, if we kind of can agree that this is something for all of us, right? Not just people who are kind of in positions of leadership and recognize that there's, there can be a falseness to that. I'd, I'd be curious to go back to one of your questions earlier, Aaron, is like, can you learn this? Slash how, how do you actually learn this? So I've been thinking a lot about habits lately. We just did a kind of worship as formation seminar on Saturday. And part of um, the conversation there was habits are actually a helpful way to think about what mm-hmm. worship is trying to do because you kind of repeat this thing and when you begin when you can identify the way that worship is working as habits you can uh, enter kind of that the story and the formative power of that story more significantly uh, it strikes me that like people well, at least I am not and I think you're even saying this earlier David uh, we're not sort of just magically authentic or inspiring uh, I'm certainly not naturally empathetic, you know, or innovative. So how, like, we kind of, these things seem like uh, kind of pedestal descriptors. Like, you put someone, you're like, wow, that person is innovative. Yeah. Uh, But we rarely think, like, I can become more innovative. How do you actually do this so that these things are instinctive? Yeah. I, I think we've got to evaluate who we are, understand ourselves, and have the courage to become different ourselves. Um, I taught a class on innovation and leadership last semester. Mm. And I would say most of the students in that class at the start of the semester echoed what I hear everyone say about innovation and creativity. And that is, I'm not very creative. The only people who claim to be creative are musicians and artists. <laughs> and Erin, uh, are you creative? <laughs> Absolutely. No question. Right, but everybody else uh, lack, lacks the confidence to say I'm creative. That's we, for sure what I would say. I would say Aaron's creative and I'm not. <laughs> that's, like that's like that's how I would think about it. Right, yeah. but that's totally untrue because you're right. But what happens is like any sort of artistic creativity is sort of then encapsulated as the only kind of creativity. That's the problem. Yeah, and there is creativity happening 
in all, all different creativity with words, creativity writers with words, creative, right? right? Yeah, um, with preaching that. as a creative exercise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right? I mean, you're so. Uh, I mean, on a weekly basis, Matt. If I may, just stop the podcast for a moment <laughs> and tell you this is not my intention <laughs> that you have immense creativity. Oh. Well, thanks, Aaron. So when people realize that creativity is measured in such different ways, and we took a whole semester for those students to kind of come to a point of saying, actually, I'm incredibly creative because I'm made in the image of God, and God is the ultimate creative person. Look at the world he has made and how he has made us. It's, it's fearful, it's wonderful, it's incredible. Um, so if I'm in his image, there is something about that creative image within us all that has been suppressed. And, and in the class, we talked about why our creativity gets suppressed. And, and you know, I'm trying to work on a book idea right now, Unlearning Conformity, Unleashing Creativity. Hmm. Because I think we learn conformity from an early age. And if we don't learn to color within the lines, we think that we aren't creative people or we're not good enough people. And so all we ever do is what we're allowed to do. And we won't break out of that unless, unless we happen to have a personality or a gift mix, a special gift mix that allows us to break beyond that. Most of us don't. Or a leader who helps us or a leader, break out of it too, right? right? Yeah. So can, can we learn innovation and creativity? Absolutely. Um, are our backs up against it a little bit? Absolutely. Because nobody around us will, will naturally encourage that from us. Um, for, for a range of reasons, but we, we can learn it. So assess where we're at, have the courage to, to break out of that, and then develop some strategies, some specific okay. next steps yeah. to, to actually practice that. And that's true of, of these four pillars and, and all of their subsets. So can you, can you give me an example? So say I, I, I read this definition, I think, oh, I, I, I want to be a leader. I want to be a transformational leader, so I want to be empathetic. What's like a strategy to to become more empathetic or is it entirely situational and you'd have to, we'd have to do some therapy here before you can kind of <laughs> tell me what my strategy is. Well, I is. think Aaron would be fine. You might need some therapy. <laughs> <laughs> so when I talk about empathy, I use three words there as well. I talk about listening, caring, and responding. And some of us just don't listen well. So you want to grow in empathy, um, shut the mouth and listen, open the ears for a while. Mm. Uh, I sit with a lot of leaders who do all the talking. Mm-hmm. I sit in meetings regularly where nobody gets to say anything except the person leading the meeting. That's not leadership. You want to show empathy, then you're going to have to stop being the fount of wisdom and knowledge and stop and listen and discover what is going on. Now, if, if you're not naturally a caring person, I would say that's actually a, a broken part of us. Mm. That, that that's part of what God wants to redeem. Can he redeem my selfishness or my fear of connection? Absolutely he can. And he can create, you know, one of the beautiful phrases that describes Jesus um, is the phrase, he was filled with compassion. And it pops up a half a dozen times in the Gospels. And it's a beautiful phrase. And I just think if we were filled with compassion... We would listen, we would care, and then we would respond. That's what empathy is really about. It's not just, oh, so sad, too bad. Right. It's, oh, mm-hmm. I hear what you're going through. Uh, I do care, and I'm going to take a particular action because this is how I build your life. Mm-hmm. Because that's what leadership does. It builds lives. It doesn't just listen, it builds. And listening is a part of the building, but, but, but 
never forget that the goal is not listening. The goal is building. Listening is a step toward the building. That's yeah. what leaders understand. That's helpful. It strikes me to use, to use uh, habit language in um, kind of the study of habits. There are things called keystone habits. Mm. So these are habits on which all other habit, like other habits kind of become dependent. So sometimes things like making your bed are identified as a keystone habit because if you make your bed, suddenly you're more likely to brush your teeth or get to work on time. You know, the ways that kind of certain small things we do, it strikes me that in, as you talk about this listening, if you're wanting to develop empathy, might be sort of the keystone habit or strategy that then begins to, as you listen, you can't help but care a little bit more because you've actually yeah. given the person real estate right. uh, to share their thing. life. That's good. Uh, and then if you begin to listen and care, it's likely that at some point you'll be drawn to respond, right, and recognizing kind of God's work through those things. But that these there can be keystone kind of particular practices that help us move into these things more deeply. And, and put yourself in the shoes of a follower. If your leader never listens, never cares, and never responds to who you are as a person... Your, your loyalty to their leadership will be much less than the person who, who listens to you, who cares about you and responds to you, particularly in your moments of crisis, um, because then you'll realize this person and this team is something I want to be a part of. Mm. And so it's not just about, is my leader bright, smart, clever, and creative? It's Am I connected with them as well? So that, and we're just talking about one of those four pillars on empathy right, right. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you see how this plays out, yeah. right? And it's the same in a family. You think about mums and dads who, who don't listen, care, or respond to their kids and what kind of family environment develops there, mm-hmm. right? So you, you just drill this back down to that bottom level. Think about husbands and wives who don't listen, care, or respond to each other. What kind of marriage do they build? So th- these are very transferable leadership principles in every environment. Yeah, that's helpful. So maybe moving us towards kind of the end of our conversation, you write this book, uh, you empower leaders all over the nation and world. Yep. Uh, to be God kind. willing, let's do God this. <laughs> <laughs> but then suddenly these people, right, who are just lit on fire by this idea of, okay, I'm called to produce change and build lives everywhere I am. And in fact, I can, be, I can be doing these things in any context. Uh, so they're empowered to be transformational leaders wherever they are, middle management, entry-level job, whatever the case might be. And then they realize the person above me is definitely not a good leader. <laughs> uh, and I think we're all in these circumstances. Uh, there might be people listening who... Uh, who knows, maybe there's a teenager listening who's thinking, my mother and father are not transformational right. leaders. Yeah. How, how do you... How do you live in a world and how do you act as a transformational leader in those kinds of contexts where the people above you, the yeah. people who are thrust, whether through biases or successes or whatever the case might be, are thrust into these positions but aren't necessarily doing this kind of thing? Right. Uh, and, and that's the million-dollar question for some people. Um, for me, uh, it helps to think of leadership not as unidirectional, Leadership mm. is not upwards or downwards or sidewards. Um, leadership is more like ripples on a pond. So, you know, you drop the stone into the water and you see all these ripples just going out. And I think of leadership in those terms. If I am anxious about am I leading up well or am I leading down well, or if I keep looking at the direction, 
and putting all of my energy into a particular direction, I, I misunderstand that leadership is, is more like the ripple. It's, it's going out in all directions at the same time. Does that mean that I influence the sa the, everybody the same way? By no means. Um, can I produce change and build lives to the precise same extent in every case? Obviously not. Um, but what I've found, and, and, and this I think a lot of your listeners will, will resonate with as well, is that as you simply produce change and build lives in the, with the circles that you are given, that has a way of flowing up and down and round and round. <laughs> it just does it all. And so the people at the university, for example, that I see as leaders aren't the people focused on leading me or leading the president or the provost. They're the people who just do leadership. And everybody kind of kind of gravitates to them. You just see them as producing change and building lives. And, mm. and they just emerge and you go, how are they just emerging as a leader? Well, because leadership's ripples. It's, it's, not, it's not just arrows and, and unidirectional uh, efforts. And mm. for me, that's what makes this whole thing of transformational leadership so, so powerful as a model because it means that as I just do what I can with the people with me at the moment, that, that God's taking that, those efforts and doing something quite extraordinary, probably far beyond what I imagined or can see. Yeah. That's, that's really helpful framing this idea of ripples. As I was thinking about it, I was thinking there's some similarities here, a natural overlap, of course, to like what's happening on a Sunday morning, which obviously Aaron and I think about right. a lot, right? And it strikes me that, uh, what, do you, what do you think about this, Aaron? Like in some sense, you could say worship is about uh, in terms of the formative nature of worship, right? So there's kind of layers of worship. One layer is worship is about praising and honoring God. But the formative nature of worship is about producing change and building lives through authenticity, inspiration, empathy, and innovation. Yeah, I like the idea of applying this directly to to worship, uh, whether that's the planning of it or the execution of it. Um, I... I, I mean, I hope that this is what we're happening. We come back to this idea of slow worship kind of a lot, but right. um, I think I, I think this this really does apply. Where if we're if we're leading well, and I I'm gonna I think I might start thinking about this more uh, in terms of how I do my work, but these kind of four pillars, yeah. Um, because we are we are seeking to change people. You know, <laughs> and it might not maybe right. not instantly, mm -hmm. uh, but these these kind of these. Uh, these pillars will really, I think, seep into people over time. So if we think, and I think we do this somewhat um, naturally now, but it definitely yeah. could be a, a deliberate process. I also think that there are, I mean, we all have areas of our lives in which we are leading. And so it's, uh, again, I love the idea of we can take this to a CEO and we could take this to a parent. And whether it's my wife and I, like, I also was wondering I think the answer is kind of obvious, but there are times where she will lead a situation, I will lead. So I can't say that, oh, one of us is the leader right, right. in our house. Sure. It's like different, our, our roles are different, our strengths are different, and uh, sort of in working together. Mm -hmm. uh, in the moment you lead leading. each other. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, it certainly seems like, right, like a marriage is going to be flourishing the most if both parties are trying to build each other's lives. Yeah. <laughs> right. If just yeah. one person is trying to build the life of the other, <laughs> right. like that person's life never gets built <laughs> yeah. and that becomes kind of problematic. Right. And in fact, you end up in the, if in other words, one way of saying this, if it's not true that everyone is a transformational leader, 
transformational leadership ends up in the same trap as servant leadership, where there's certain people who are building other people's lives, but their life actually never gets built. So they just give and give and give and give. Uh, but there's no flourishing uh, being created and space being created for themselves other than what they're kind of uh, charting out for themselves. I love the idea that even my seven-year-old daughter can be, can, you know, use these principles and be a leader, you know, um, at, at school. Or with their friends and in the school environment. Yeah. yeah, that's beautiful. Well, thanks so much. One one of the ways we like to end these conversations, so you weren't warned warned about this, uh, and this is kind of <laughs> new. We're, we've just started trying to do this. It's with a series of feats of strength. Yeah. So, <laughs> shirts off, everybody. <laughs> oh, this is getting ugly really quick. <laughs> yeah. No, this was, uh, this was uh, we'll give credit where credit's due. This was Aaron's innovative and ins- inspirational idea. Uh, but yeah. to, go, to go around, and each of us share just like a takeaway, so... You, you've shared, done the majority of the sharing. So you can give, uh, if you want, David, sort of like the main thing you'd want people to stick with. And then Aaron and I can share kind of reflections on what was particularly helpful about the conversation or something that particularly stood out. Have I, have I articulated this yeah, well? Yeah, I think that's the idea. Yeah. Uh, and I think, uh, David, you could say whatever you, lo- whatever you like, but if, I think just emphasizing the four pillars would be good again, yeah. f- um, kind of as we close up. Um, so... Yeah, so I'll just say my definition, which I've been soaking in for a long time now, is uh, transformational leadership is about producing change, building lives through authenticity, through inspiration, through empathy, and through innovation. And as we unpack those four words, we produce change and build lives, hopefully for the glory of God and the benefit of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And we'll give a little plug here. These these words are all unpacked in your book, Shape yes. Your World. Yeah. Uh, Shape so Your World. Available? Available. At bookstores? <laughs> on Amazon, I'm sure. Amazon, yeah. Amazon, right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can find that on Amazon. And we'll link in the show description. I think for me, there was a lot of things that were really helpful in this. But um, one of the things that was most helpful is the idea that leadership uh, needs to have uh, orientation towards a goal. Which, on reflection, seems so obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when I think about leadership, I'm not always you, you kind of it. It often ends up feeling intangible and kind of squishy because I'm like, uh, okay, I'm supposed to be a leader, which I guess just means these people will follow me if I make a decision or I have good relationships with them. And the idea of no, this actually has a con. The best, the best ideas of leadership are going to have concrete goals and be oriented in directions. Just makes so much sense. So that was something really helpful. And if if I'm thinking of myself as a leader, but I'm not, I don't actually know where I'm leading people to or mm. trying to mm-hmm. shape them, then I'm actually not leading them. Yeah. I'm just sort of, I don't know, in a good relationship with them. You're or, wandering around with yeah, them. I'm wandering around. <laughs> we're we're in the desert wilderness together. So that was really helpful for me. Well, I think th- one of the things I love most about this conversation is the idea, I think I've kind of talked about this a little bit already, but the I think we have to open our own eyes to how we are leaders in like every day and in different situations. So it's easy. it would be easy to see like the title of this episode and think, oh, I don't run a business or, you know, I don't, uh, I'm not in 
politics or, or whatever, or uh, I don't have people working under me and, and think that, oh, that's, that's what being a leader is. But I think if we really, if we really sort of look at our day to day, anytime we're interacting with people, there are opportunities there to lead and um, at any age yeah. and, and stage of life. So um, I love that idea and of, of thinking about these principles as we interact with people. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much, Dad, for joining us. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Maybe we'll have to have further conversations. Uh, well, certainly, if you've got another book coming out, that creativity, obviously, I need some remedial <laughs> lessons. Uh, he's writing more. That. He's writing books faster than we record <laughs> yeah, podcasts. <laughs> this is sad. Very sad. Oh, that's true. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us uh, again. There will be a plug for David's book, yep. I think, um, on the link to the show notes. But uh, until next time, I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. And I'm David. Thanks for being curious with us.